everyone, and welcome to the Soul Anchor Podcast, where together we'll discover how to stay anchored in a storm and how to thrive. I've invited some friends that I deeply admire and whose authentic stories will encourage you to embrace hope when the waves crash. These are friends who have navigated some fairly deep waters of unthinkable circumstances and they've arrived back on shore resilient and strong. I'm your host, Cynthia Cavanaugh, and I'm so glad you're here. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Soul Anchor podcast. And I am thrilled today to have my friend, Kathy Howard, back on the Soul Anchor podcast today. So welcome, Kathy. So great to have you again. Uh, Hi, Cynthia. Good to be back with you. Well, you know, uh, when you have special friends, when they're willing to come back a second time. So (laughs) I appreciate that. But Kathy has a new release coming out. We're going to be talking about this today on the show. But first, let me tell you a little bit about her. She refers to herself as a former cultural Christian, and she has a contagious passion for God's word. And I think that's why our hearts are kindred spirits, because we both have this overarching passion for God's word and wanting women to get in the word. And she also has a master's in Christian education. She's a Bible teacher. She's an author. She's a women's event speaker. And she and her husband live in Texas, which I'm so excited about because my sister just moved there not far from her. And I'm so looking forward to the opportunity to come visit her when I come visit my family. Kathy has three married children, six grandchildren, and two accidental dogs. And if you listen to our first show talking about her accidental dogs, it's quite the story. I just love that about your two dogs. So anyway, today we're going to talk about legacy and faith because Kathy has a new book coming out in the fall called Heirloom, Living and Leaving a Legacy of Faith. And it is absolutely a beautiful, beautiful book. I had the privilege of having a preview and reading through it. And it's a beautiful full color hardbound book that would be just a great gift book. But she and I also share this passion for leaving a legacy of faith. So Kathy, let me ask you the question. How did you get interested in the idea of spiritual legacy, like leaving a legacy of faith? I was raised in a Christian home, so my parents left one for me. You know, they taught me about Jesus and showed me how to love Jesus. And when my husband and I got married and started having children, I sensed that importance, right? Looking back, I see how I could have been more intentional with it than I was. You know, you get caught up in life and you think, well, I'm taking them to church. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. But I can see where there are opportunities that I missed. And so tried to be, particularly as my grandchildren came along, thinking about how can I be more intentional and think about practical things that I can do. We can't believe for our kids. We can't believe for our grandkids. But what we can do is we can create an atmosphere in our homes that gives faith an opportunity to flourish. Yes, I love that. Create opportunities 
for faith to flourish. And as you mentioned earlier, you were raised in this spiritual environment. And so you use the word showed, it was showed to you, it was put into action. And I think that is so key. So in the book, you talk about a letter at the beginning of the book that you found from your great grandmother that influenced you. Tell us about that. It was from my great, great grandmother. Oh, great, great grandmother. (laughs) Right. Isn't that something? So my parents needed to change their living situation. Both of them were not well. And so we were moving them to be near my brother because my brother and I neither one lived in the same town as them. And so we were cleaning out the house, right? And so I was working on this desk, this roll top desk that my dad had. And there were, of course, all kinds of papers and things in it. But I found this metal box, this tin box, and it was pretty beat up. I could tell it was old. And I opened it and there was there's a pair of old spectacles in there, which is when you saw them, that's what you'd call them, not glasses. You'd call them spectacles. spectacles. That's what they are. I found um, some little ledgers, like apparently it became obvious as I looked through that the things in there belong to my great grandfather. So my maternal grandmother's father. So it was a ledger where he, he was depositing 25 cents a week or a month into an account to pay for a burial plan. I mean, you know, crazy things. And then there was the craziest thing I found in there was a dental bridge. I felt this piece of wire (laughs) as I was digging around and I pulled it out and it had fake teeth attached to it. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Why would anybody keep this? (laughs) So, but most, mostly there were letters in this box. And so I, I started looking through the letters and the one that really, captured my attention. It was, it was written from my great grandfather's mother. So my great, great grandmother, Mary Dozier to her son, my great grandfather. And um, there were several letters from, from her in there, but this one in particular, of course it was fascinating. She was talking about news and visit and had been sick and that sort of thing and and she mentioned the fact how how ex- how thankful she was that he had and, and I'm putting this in quotes quit the whiskey um, quit and the how whiskey. she was quit the whiskey and how she was still praying that he would quit tobacco too but um she she specifically said that she prayed for him and his children every day and night and then she wrote out a prayer and that prayer said Oh, how much I do pray for you every single morning and night. I pray mightily to the Lord that you, Hal, and your children may be convicted and converted and sanctified. Never a day do I miss. May God hear and answer my prayers. Wow. that, That letter was dated March 26, 1914. So more than 100 years ago. And I don't know, when I read that prayer... It, it, I felt like the Holy Spirit just whispered to my heart and said, you see that her prayer, she was praying for her son and his children. And, and that prayer impacts you as well. Because Hal's daughter, who she specifically said she was praying for, my maternal grandmother loved Jesus so much. And she had such a big impact on my life. So that prayer for my great great grandmother i really felt like trickled down to me yes and so not only did the holy spirit encourage me with that 
he also challenged me in a way to say how, how she did she tr if she truly prayed every morning and every night for her son and grandchildren am i that faithful in my prayers no i'm not that faithful in my prayers for my family every morning and every night so it so it encouraged me and challenged me all at the same time that's such a great I love that. And, you know, when you were describing the tin box, even down to the teeth, you know, <laughs> like, you know, in those days, truly, you know, they didn't have access to as many resources we have. So they really did save everything. You know, wow. I'm, I'm not sure why they would save the teeth either, but I'm sure there was a reason for it. Right. You know, I'm, I'm sure. sure there was a, a good reason in that era, but I love the fact of, you know, you opening that box and finding these letters. So it gives me hope on a funny level too, because, you know, I think of, I just cleaned out my dad's place twice over in the last eight months and right. sorting through so many things and, you know, stumbling on some thing, good things and, and some other things as well. But it gives me hope that, you know, we don't have to clean everything out, that if our children find a tin box or some, <laughs> something with our journal about, you know, how we've prayed for them or we've hoped our hopes and our dreams for them, that that is going to inspire wow. and encourage that generation. And what a gift. And, right. and, you know, I like you, I mean, just that you say that your great, great grandmother prayed in the morning and the night for her family. You know, I don't do that morning and night. I don't know that I do it every day. I try to, but again, yes, it does challenge us to, to know that our spiritual legacy is so important. So mm -hmm. let's talk about that for a moment. So what have you learned about what a spiritual legacy is? So if we would to, you know, give a definition of spiritual legacy for our listeners to understand what would that be? Like, what does a spiritual legacy encompass? Well, you know, the word legacy itself is, is that which we leave, you know, that, that, that which we leave behind, that which we establish and is left for future generations. So um, when we talk about a spiritual legacy, you know, there's going to be things I pass down to my kids, you know, right, to some jewelry to my daughters and, and things like that. But um, to pass down the most valuable thing, that is our, our faith, the way we live it. Um, in other words, they, they see that, right? My, my children see the way my faith operates in my day-to-day -day life. That's part of my legacy is they get to witness that. Yes. And the other part is what I'm imparting specifically to them, um, what I'm teaching them about Christ, what I am um, helping form in them by, um, by being faith in um, talking to them about my own spiritual journey. You know, they, they can see it, but it's different if we talk about it. This yes. is what God has been teaching me lately. This this is what I'm struggling with that God is um, guiding me through. So it, it's, it's both and it, the spiritual legacy is what our children see in our lives, but it's also what we practically share and impart to them about our faith and about Jesus Christ. 
Yes, I love that. I love that you brought out the emphasis of sharing even our struggle. You know, it doesn't have to be in great detail. They don't have to know everything, but just saying, you know, that they're hearing also how God is helping you to walk through a season that is, might be more difficult because I think it's, you know, in in my Christian environment that I grew and I use the word environment because um, some of the main key players in my family weren't necessarily Christ followers. They went to church, but they didn't have a devoted faith. And so what was taught to me was not always by example, but sometimes it was just speaking scripture, you know, like, but there was no, um, you know, authentic way where it was, it was being communicated. Does that make, if that makes sense, you know? And, And so I think, I think it's really important to understand that a spiritual legacy too, isn't necessarily that we're quoting scripture or we're reminding them of, of, of who God is, but that it's coupled with how we live our lives, because that is going to be the impact. I know it was for me with my grandmother, my grandmother, like your grandmother loved Jesus. And she often said how much she prayed for us, but she showed me how much she loved Jesus more by than what she said to me, if that makes, if that makes sense. And so I think that's so important. So let's talk about two different roles of women here. So what would you say to a young mom who has small kids or elementary school kids and who really wants to leave a spiritual legacy and what, you know, you, you mentioned yourself that you felt like you missed some things. So, well, <laughs> I mean, we all do. I think we all look back and say, oh, I could have been a better mother in this way, or I could have been a better example in this way. But what are some practical or intentional things that you would encourage uh, a young moms to, right. to think about in leaving their spiritual legacy? So, you know, it, it's funny because young. I, I know that moms with children, it's a busy life and you don't feel like you literally have any time for yourself. Yes. So um, one thing in looking back, I've, uh, particularly my oldest daughter has told me what an impact it made on her every morning when she would get up and come into the kitchen. I was, I was sitting at the, at the kitchen table with my Bible and yes. just the her seeing that itself made an impact on her. Um, I didn't sit there for hours on end. Who has time when you, when you have little ones at home, but, but I did it when I could. And um, there's also little things we can do things like, you know, moms with young kids are in the car a lot. And time in the car um, can be well used, whether it's, it's playing, um, scripture songs, praise music, whatever, while you're driving in the car, or that was always the time I had for the best conversations with my children. Yes. Because they were a captive audience. Right. They couldn't get out. (laughs) That's right. They couldn't get out. They had to sit there. And it, and it makes me think when I was, when I was writing heirloom, I read a story about Susanna Wesley. um, Yes. I mean, she had a love that ton of children, right? Yeah. 17 um, to be exact. <laughs> and I think were those just the ones that survived? Cause they lost quite a few children. Yeah. Right? I'm not sure how many survived. I think maybe 11, I don't know. I'd have to look it up. But of course, of course her two sons, John and Charles were great Christian 
leaders. But one thing I read about her that she did every week with every child is that she's, she had a one-on-one -on -one conversation each week with each child about their um, spiritual health, about their spiritual condition. And I thought, man, I cannot, I can't imagine that. If um, she can do that with 17 children, surely I could have done that with three. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that is something could be done in the car, you know? Of course, it has to be tailored to the age of the kid and where they are in their in their faith but um taking advantage um what i like to call found time right yes um, sitting in the drive-through for a hamburger or driving to to school and back and and that kind of sitting in the doctor's office waiting for you know your turn in the back there's so many moments some so many chunks of time that we can just take a few minutes yes Yes. And it doesn't have to be long. I mean, you know, a five-year-old or a 10-year-old is not going to want to sit and listen for, or have a conversation for 30 minutes about Jesus. I mean, that would be rare, right? So, right. you know, a five-minute conversation about something. And, you know, you brought up something really key. I love that. And uh, my grandmother also, I would walk in, you know, to her house and I would see her Bible and her her devotional book and her journal that she had there. And that made it a huge impact on me. So as a mom, uh, that reminds me of something because when you and I were moms, we didn't have cell phones. Right. <laughs> and so one of the things that I try to encourage young moms today is make sure your kids see that you have a Bible and that it's all, it's uh... great that we can have the Bible on our phone. But, you know, the kids can't d differentiate between are you reading the Bible on the phone? Are you answering emails or texts or what are you doing on the phone? Right. right. So so my encouragement is to actually have your Bible out that you're reading your Bible, not your phone. <laughs> you know? that's so a, that's a great point. And and and, you know, taking advantage of those moments. And I did the same thing. And it doesn't have to be like a a set aside date time, all those, that's great. Those are good things to do. But, you know, I would take my kids one at a time when I could like on a trip to Costco or to the grocery store or to run an errand to have that one-on-one -on -one time with them in the car as well. Perfect and, idea. and, uh, so there's, there's lots of ways that, that we, we would encourage you listeners as moms of kids still at home uh, and even as teenagers, when my when my son was uh, a senior in high school, he was in a program called Running Start, which meant he got up super early, he had to be at school like at 630, I think, or seven, and then he'd come home by 830. And so the other boys were already at school. And so we had breakfast together, I made him breakfast. And, ah. and so looking for those ways to be intentional is so important. I love I love those ideas. Yeah, there's so, a there's another idea um, when a good friend of ours, we, he owns a ranch in Wyoming and we had gone to visit there and a train runs through his property. And whenever you heard the whistle, he, he tells everybody this that shows up to visit. When the whistle blows, everything stops for just a moment and we thank God. Oh, and I so love that. His, his story is in heirloom. And, and I encourage readers to um, create your own Thanksgiving prompt for your family, something that would happen. You know, you may not have a train running through your backyard where you would hear it several times throughout the day, but there may be something else that happens 
uh, close to your house or a, a noise you hear or something that happens. And you just say, okay, when that happens, when we hear it, we're just going to stop and we either just thank God in general or we thank him for something specific. And that'd be a great way to regularly turn your family's heart and mind back to God. Yeah, I know. I, I, I love that. That's so, so good. So let's, let's uh, switch gears to another role then. Um, what about the, what about the person or the woman who is not married and, and uh, maybe he's waiting to be married, maybe a young woman, or maybe, you know, she's an aunt who has just chosen not to be married or, you know, or doesn't, or, or a, a woman who is married, but doesn't have kids or can't Sorry. have that privilege of having children. What would be some intentional ways that they could leave a spiritual legacy? Right. Well, you know, we're all, God has connected all of us to people, whether it's blood family or whether it's our spiritual family, whether it's extended family, there there is somebody that God, and probably more than one somebody, that God has brought into our influence that needs spiritual encouragement, that needs mentoring. And um, so I would I would encourage those women just to ask God, who is it? Who one person or multiple people um, play a role as, as a mentor, as just an encourager. Um, and that would be the starting place, right? And then based on their needs, then God could show them what kind of role to have, whether it's a formal mentoring relationship, whether it's a matter of, because, and I know women like this, in fact, older women whose, whose kids are grown, who may be a widow and her ministry is, is, is prayer. And yes. they, they pray, they send cards, they let people know that they're praying for them. And I think, you know, that's really, that's really a key. Um, we can pray for someone all day long and God is working, but it's a little extra encouragement to let them know that you're praying. Yes. Um, whether it's God regularly prompts me to send texts. In fact, I've often stopped in the middle of my prayer time because God has prompted me to pray for someone and just say, let them know. And, and there's been many times where when they respond, it's like, oh, you know, how did you know I needed that today? Yes. Um, because it's God, it's God working. Yes. That's so true. I, I, I love that. So you and I are both grandmothers. We both have <laughs> our, we both have our lots. <laughs> and um, so what, what are some practical things or intentional things that grandmothers can do to create a spiritual legacy with their grandchildren? Okay. Besides well, got, having fun. <laughs> besides having fun. Well, you know, we, my husband and I have not done this yet, but we are going to, our, our grandkids are just about old enough to do it is to have a grandkid camp. I yes. have friends. I have friends that have done that and yes, it's fun, but you can add spiritual elements into it too. Of course, Bible stories and scripture memory and that kind of thing, whether it's one day or a weekend. So we are going to do that maybe next summer. Um, another thing that I encourage people to do is to create some spiritual markers. And what I mean by that, there's a, there's a story in Joshua. Do you remember when, 
when uh, Joshua leads the children of Israel over the Jordan and, yes. and um, God has the waters back up so they can cross on dry ground. And then God tells Joshua to stand up stones in the riverbed. And he says, so these stones are here so that when your children ask why these stones are here, you can tell them what God has done. Yes. And so that's a spiritual marker. It's something concrete that we, something physical that we connect a story of God to. And so we can use those items. And, and I'll, I'll share, for instance, I have a, I have a picture of Jesus. No, not a real picture of Jesus, of course. But yeah. <laughs> I have a, I have a print. You that, have a picture. <laughs> <laughs> that is. That is Jesus with the one sheep. You know, he leaves the 99 yes. to go find the one sheep. And um, my husband and I saw that piece of artwork at the mall after God had been doing something amazing in our church. He had been bringing adults who had never been in church before, had never studied the Bible before, and were bringing them to our church in Canada. And we were leading a Bible study for seekers, and God was saving adults right and left. It was incredible. And in the middle of that, we saw that print and my husband bought it for me. And so that became our spiritual marker for this story of what God was doing in our church at the time. And so my kids know that story. I'm, I'm beginning to tell my grandchildren that story. The other people who come to my house to visit and see the print, I tell them the story. So that's one spiritual marker um, that's connected specifically to an amazing God story. Oh, I love, I, I just love that. And I think your grandkids are going to be fighting over who gets that picture someday. I hope so. I hope <laughs> because I of the story attached to it. But um, back to the grandkid camp. Now we have done a few. <laughs> and um, yes, we have. And our our grandkids are a little bit older now. And, and so this last summer, uh, we had them for four, uh, four or five days. And so at breakfast time, I had, I had made these cards uh, with a verse on them. Um, actually I just went to Hobby Lobby. They were inspirational verses. I pasted them inside. And then I, I wrote a little note in there each day, uh, as a reminder of who God says they are they are, but also who's what God's character is about. So they would open that every day. And then we had a conversation about it. So in, this was the first camp that we've had, that we've had that kind of conversation and it was so rich and they asked us questions. And so the, and it, you know, it didn't take very long, you know, five, 10 minutes. I right. tend to think, Oh, let's have a three hour conversation. <laughs> That's not going <laughs> to work when one of the grandkids well, the five-year-old is like, can we be done? Yeah. Yeah. With the, with the five-year-old is saying, um, I thought we were going to go to the water slides today. Grandma. You know, so, oh yeah. Yeah, we are, you know, but just knowing those little snippets of time again, like you talked about with your kids, with our grandkids is equally as important, right? It amidst right. the fun that we're doing with them and, and creating those spiritual markers. I too have a, a print. I won't tell the story right now, but of, um, that I found recently that I framed and, and was able to share with my grandkids. So I'm hoping they'll fight over it someday as well, as well. <laughs> but so good. Those are just some practical things, uh, that to do. So what are, as we kind of wind down here a little bit, what are a couple of the most interesting faith stories that you encountered while writing heirloom? 
So one of one of my favorites, um, it's actually was sent to me by a girl that I, she was a little bit older than me, but I, I grew up with her in my home church when I was a child. And her father was a spiritual mentor to my dad. And so she sent me the story of how their first relative came to faith. He was a, a, an orphan on the streets of London. He was born in 1841. Right. And um, one, I mean, and he hung out with the gamblers in the alleys and that kind of thing. But when he was a, um, a young teen, he was, he was given a Bible by a stranger. And he, he used that Bible, first of all, to teach himself to read. But in the process, he came to faith in Christ. And he, he eventually, at the age of 30, ended up immigrating to the States with his wife and children and settled in Shreveport, Louisiana, which is where I was born and raised, and ended up helping establish a church and his, his just... He was, a, he was a Christian businessman in Shreveport and impacted so many. And, and his grandson became my father's spiritual mentor. Wow. And I thought, how, you know, and so, so my dad's faith was impacted by that stranger in London who gave a Bible yes. to an orphan on the street. So we just never know. I mean, I just know we're going to get to heaven someday and we're going to meet people that we never knew, but because of our faithfulness or God's prompting, you know, praying or giving something or, you know, we're going to meet people that, that are a result of that, that spiritual legacy. So that is so cool, Kathy. I love that. I just love this book and I just encourage you to when it um, it's coming out soon to pick up a copy of it. And where can, where can people find you, Kathy? Uh, KathyHoward.org is my website and that's Kathy with a K. Um, Start there and you can find me, you know, everywhere else. I've got a, a great Bible reading group for women on Facebook. Um, that's exciting. We got six, 1700 women from all over the world that, that yes. the Bible together each day. That's awesome. Oh, but I wanted to highlight too, you, you recently won an award for one of your <laughs> books. You won the golden scroll award, which is a, a, a highly coveted award. And tell us which book you won that award for. That is for um, my devotional that came out last fall called Deep Rooted, Growing Through the Gospel of Mark. That's right. It's it's 40 days through Mark, and it kind of follows the format that I do in that Bible reading group. But it's it's uh, I've been telling people it's a devotional with meat on its bones. Yes. Well, you know, that's what we talked about. Um, I'm just. I'm, did. I'm just remembering. Right you know what, though, since we talked about that, I have, I signed a two book contract for um, more deep rooted devotionals. So I'm, I'm working on the deadline right now. August 31st is um, my deadline for deep rooted growing through the book of Acts, which will be out um, right before Christmas. And then I'll be working on deep rooted growing through the book of Romans. Oh, wow. So, I love that. I'm just reading. I hate to say this. I've read, read the book of Romans, but I'm just, I've not read it in many, many, many years. And I'm just reading through the book right now. And I'm actually handwriting out the scriptures to embed it. 
Yes. And that is going to be part of my spiritual legacy is writing out books of the Bible. That's amazing. Well, I, you know, I'm just, I'm like you, I'm looking for ways to be intentional things that thinking of what is going to be left behind when my kids are grandchildren saying, Oh, why did grandma save all this stuff? But then they find these treasures, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that's my hope. That's, that's my hope. Um, I forgot to ask you, tell us, I know we talked about this last time, but tell us one fun fact about you, like in this last year. Oh dear. One fun fact about me in this last year. Yeah. Um, I am totally clueless. I know I've had fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, especially in the middle of a pandemic or or towards the end, or I don't know where we are. Are we in the middle? Are we the end? Or Yeah. You know, we, we spent a lot of time at our fishing camp during the pandemic. And so I've, I've done quite a bit of fishing and I have caught some fish that I was really proud of. Well, that's a fun fact. That's great. I love that. You are not only a fishing in the Bible for truth, but you are a fisherwoman. That's pretty that's, that's right. That's pretty incredible. So I hope all of you listeners will look for heirloom leaving living and leaving a legacy of faith. It would be a beautiful uh, book for yourself or a gift book for someone else to encourage them. One of the things I want to add, I know I keep saying we're wrapping up here, but Kathy is so much to, to share with us today is in the book, you give um, some ways to some genealogy tips mm-hmm. of ways to research your own family history. And then she also gives uh, every chapter she she gives what she calls legacy tips, if that's correct. Am I saying that correctly? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so all of the things that she shared today, um, she has lots more uh, treasures in there for you to discover um, in this new book. So Kathy, would you pray for us as we close today and pray for our listeners? I will. Oh, Father God, uh, thank you for Cynthia and her podcast and how you use it to encourage us. I pray for everyone listening to this today that, um, Lord, you would encourage them in their faith, but that you would also show them practical ways to be spiritual encouragement to others. Um, Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for the salvation that you provide for us through him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Kathy. It was great to have you today. Oh, good to be with you. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Soul Anchor Podcast. Grab a friend and join our community at thesoulanchor.com. You'll receive resources from time to time to help you through your personal storm. If you've been encouraged today, would you please consider leaving a review, subscribing, or sharing this podcast? I would ever be so grateful. Until next time, remember, you're not alone, God is for you, and you will get through this.